In this week's news, the DA youth call on government to demand 500 free megabytes per month for students and job seekers, WhatsApp business debuts as a leaked APK file surfaces online, and we dive in deep with the latest Last Jedi trailer for the upcoming Star Wars film this December. All this and more on this week's episode of Bandwidth Blog on Air. Welcome to episode 93. Welcome to Bandwidth Blog on Air, the weekly podcast of bandwidthblog.com. Tienes, I think it's been for nearly a year now we've both been adding our voices to our and thoughts on the concerns surrounding data must fall. And unfortunately, it seems that movement faded out as soon as uh, Cliff Central and Tupo Touch got their debut uh, and a free data allocation. But that being said, there still is quite a lot of impetus, I think, for many people in South Africa to have more affordable, accessible data packages. And now the latest call comes from the DA Youth in the form of a new movement dubbed Data for All. Well, Brian, as we said basically a year ago when we started talking about this in earnest, is that, you know, the emancipation of the South African public will come with obviously better information and that will come with cheaper data for them to get their hands on that information. So obviously hand in hand with information uh, comes education. And for me, this step from, from the DA Youth um, to call on government to give students uh, 500 megabytes of data a month for free makes a lot of sense. I mean, to be honest, 500 megs a month is very little if you really think about how many students we have in this country and how big of a difference they can make in these students' lives. I don't think it's much to ask, especially since government have preferential rates with the telcos. You are quite precisely right. However, I think that is in a sense, part of the problem I see with this. And I think definitely that this is a noble call, however you want to look at it. And if we can depoliticize it, I think it's one that's very necessary in the South African space, regardless of political party or political affiliation. I don't think anyone can say they don't need 500 megabits uh, of free data per month, uh, you know, even if they do have a high-end smartphone contract. I think that's something that's needed holistically. And I do think focusing on students and job seekers is the noble and right place to start. However, this is a lot easier said than done, is that naturally government do have preferred rates for the tel- for, with telcos in South Africa. However, it's not an easy endeavor to A, roll out or, or quickly and make a, a mandatory announcement that all mobile networks must supply a free cap per month or to quickly and easily identify those who are in need of such data, such as students and registered job seekers. This isn't an easy task, and it's one perhaps that would be made far more accessible and and quick if government's national broadband network were in place. However, as we know, that's at least a good couple to months, if not years, out of the question. And it seems to me that at the moment, the best hope of the average South African is in lobbying our local networks, the Vodacoms, MTN, Celsius, Telco Mobiles of the world, to become more uh, more accessible to the general consumer. I do think, however, that in, in recent months, our local networks have begun to, to hear the call, but I just don't know if they're moving quickly enough to sate what I feel is, is a building anger amongst most South Africans who desperately need this. I completely agree, and I also agree with your point that this maybe shouldn't come in the form of legislation and, um, you know, the, the government actually going to these telcos and forcing them to come on, to, uh, to come on board and, and, and make this data a lot more accessible to students um, or to any of the uh, poorest of the poor. I don't think it should be legislated. I think there should be a project that 
as you rightly said, it shouldn't be a partisan thing. It doesn't matter which party you support. Um, this should be irrespective of party. It should be irrespective of whether you lean left or right or you're a centrist or whatever your, your color or creed. It doesn't matter. I feel this is something that the government shouldn't legislate. I feel that these telcos should take a little bit of the responsibility onto their own books and just say, okay, how can we actually help the South African public? And I think this is more so than many of the other initiatives that the government is trying to push through our throats. I think this is one that the telcos can can take, you know, um, take by the horns and actually do themselves. And, and I think they would get a hell of a lot of respect and a hell of a lot, a lot of support to do this. I agree fully. And I think naturally there is a massive um, competitive ground for the first network to opt in to do this. I mean, Telcom Mobile has sort of cemented its early brand, transitioning now to the from ATA into its own sort of platform as being the accessible, affordable, smart, in a sense, um, um, telco. And I, I'm saying this without... Uh, bias and in complete objectivity that is sort of the brand sense around telcom mobile and i think that the first network that might be able to jump on this course uh, course as you say might develop a whole lot of brand respect and recognition from that move um to sort of step away also from the private sector we do have hope in the sense that acasa recently opened its new proposals for discussion some of those being that uh, data bundles would have to last mandatory periods so i do feel there is some some hope on this front and i think it's really up to South Africans at the end of the day. We can't stop talking about this because it is absolutely one of the vital pillars of our nation's future. And if we look at the way the rest of the world going is going, you know, to talk about information to access is one thing, but we can't, can't forget that we can't afford either to be behind in terms of things like mobile payments or simply, you know, uh, um, social media proliferation. We have to have our own voice on the Internet as a nation. Uh, and I think that hopefully these calls continue to mount and, and real change arrives in this industry. I realize perhaps it's a, a high-roaded thing to say, but I can only see this as a, as a one-way street at the moment. Now, staying on the topic of social media and data usage, let's just uh, talk a little bit about WhatsApp. And we've talked about it a lot. And obviously, them having billions of users in the world is a massive platform for the Facebook-owned company. And we've been waiting for... A WhatsApp business to launch for a while. We thought it would go that way, and a couple of couple of weeks, well, several weeks ago, we heard them um, finally announcing that this is going to be a thing. And yes, it makes a lot of sense for many businesses in South Africa. I mean, just think, um, in the businesses you've been involved with, how many business groups there are for different. Uh, you know, different groups within the business and for the management team and for the whole business as a whole. You know, it just makes a lot of sense. So now with um, with WhatsApp business, whether that's going to be the final name or not, we don't know yet. But there are some new features now that are coming to light and I'm excited to see them. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about them. Well, I want to preface this discussion with maybe an interesting anecdote is that I've spoken to a number of people recently. We just happened to touch on the on the subject of instant messages and South instant messaging apps in South Africa, and the one recurring thread of conversation I've had recently is, people have said to me, Telegram is much better. It's much more open and accessible. It's easier for businesses to get in, on board with and use, and they're holistically right. But I think now WhatsApp has has turned the coin, and they're ready to come to market with WhatsApp Business. So this is sort of branched into two very different services there's going to be whatsapp businesses for small to medium 
uh, small to medium companies. So this will be a, a free service for um, for medium and uh, lower enterprises to sort of get on board more accurately, connect with their consumers and have a series of analytics. And of course, there is the premium WhatsApp business client for large enterprises. And this is going to be more over a set of paid tools that Facebook will provide to large scale companies um, potentially to debut bots, bots on the platform and issue really advanced functionality to end users. Uh, talking specifically about, for example, airlines might be able to offer the um, um, flight information, uh, uh, boarding tickets, boarding passes, that sort of material directly on WhatsApp. And I think whether people like it or not, this is going to be the most significant expansion uh, WhatsApp has had in recent years since it's been acquired by Facebook. So correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but to me, um, this doesn't seem like anything new, even within WhatsApp. So um, to use your um, airline example, there has been uh, hotel companies, for example, that have used WhatsApp with um, dedicated bots that they've built on their side. Um, so not inherent within WhatsApp, but they've built these bots um, on their side to actually interact with customers through a WhatsApp number um, and many other businesses, whether it be a shopping shopping network, um, online uh, online retailers. You know, there's a lot of these companies that have been using WhatsApp exactly for this purpose. So do you think that um, Facebook introducing this WhatsApp business integration into the app itself will make a big difference um, in terms of their revenue line at the end of the day? Or do you think it's going to be a kind of a, you know, it's it's more going to help the smaller um, enterprises that really don't have the capability to do that themselves? I'm really glad you added the subject of revenue there because I was about to say the major change that's coming is, of course, that Facebook will finally get paid. Um, and I think that's really what's significant about the end of the day is that WhatsApp was a, a mammoth acquisition for Facebook. And it's one, if you think about it, that hasn't really made any significant returns for the company. Sure, there's the, the brand recognition and awareness of having over a billion users, and that's great, but it's not necessarily adding to Facebook's bottom line, and it's not keeping the the company healthy. I think this is a major step in monetizing WhatsApp. This is going to be the first step in making WhatsApp a real legitimate cash cow and recruiting Facebook's loss on that $1 billion acquisition over time. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how these plans are, are sort of fixed in price brackets. And I personally don't foresee that the small to medium enterprise option will be free for very long. What I do feel, if it does remain free, that'll sort of be there to harvest data and connect to Facebook's other services such as Messenger, which I think WhatsApp now more than ever will be competing closely with. I guess the biggest question that most people want to know is, is it going to remain free for you and me? And the answer to that question is yes. Definitely. I mean, I Telegram where they can have 99% of the same services anyway, perhaps with a bit more power under their belts. On, on that note of power tennis, uh, obviously, I think one of the major social media advents this week, and it perhaps is only one uh, film franchise, I think that can really do this. Everyone's talking about the last teaser trailer, the latest teaser trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi, and both you and I are huge Star Wars nerds. I think we could talk a whole episode about what we're expecting from this movie. But your high-level thoughts, uh, two questions. What do you think this movie holds for theater goers later this year? And what are your thoughts on some of the social media impact that you've seen on the likes of Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube? So it's very interesting. Let's let's just touch on the last point first. I mean, since we're talking about social media, I mean, there's uh, the, the way that um, media has been 
advertising obviously over the last decade has completely changed and the same is true for movies i mean previously you would mostly see uh, movie previews at other movies when you go to the theater and that has all but disappeared in the last 10 years you you know um, i mean i was always a very uh you know i, I Whenever I was going to the movies, I told people we have to get there early because we have to see all of the previews before the movie starts. And I mean, I was very avid about that, and I I, I was very pissed off if I wasn't there when the first <laughs> when the first preview started. And obviously, in today's world, that's on where we are. And the way that um, uh, these movie companies has also embraced social media, not only um, obviously the platforms where they host these these videos and the trailers um, like YouTube and uh, Vimeo and Facebook but also the way that they they um, advertise that has just completely changed but let's go back to the trailer itself I mean for me Brian I mean it it was it was exactly exactly what I wanted from the latest Star Wars trailer it didn't give any major plot points away like many other movies do um, and it just kind of teased the teaser is the right word it kind of teased all of the major talking points that were going to come out of the movie um, come December 15th and talk about. Definitely. And I think perhaps of the people I've spoken to today, yourself included, I think the one thing people can unilaterally sort of agree on is the fact that the trailer is, for want of a better word, simply hectic. And I think this is an exciting new avenue for Star Wars. We've certainly had uh, darker chapters in the, in the movie saga in recent years, but I think this specifically speaks to a darker, heavier, perhaps even slower, more introspective take on Star Wars. And I think it's all the bigger contrast compared to last year's Force Awakens, which I personally felt was quite a a thrilling but quick endeavor that sort of passed before your eyes too quickly. And once you dissected it after the movie, you, you sort of noted many parallels to previous movies. My biggest hope for this is that it stands on its own with subtlety. And though there are some obvious parallels to The Empire Strikes Back, most notably in tone, I'm really excited to see what novelty this brings to the sequel saga. Uh, I think all of our favorite characters that we had a, a good connection with are back, and those that didn't, one particular one, Captain Phasma, who sort of went on and off screen in the last movie, I'm excited to see more in this form this time around. My question to you is, of all the clips we've seen thus far in the trailers, what scene or, or moment most excites you that you want to see more of? So I think you kind of touch on something that's probably going to be the most important thing for me in The Last Jedi, and that's the that's the fact that it's going to be emotive, much more so, as you rightly said, than The Force Awakens. Um, and, and as you rightly also said, hearkening back to Empire Strikes Back. But, I mean, for me, I think it's going to be even more emotive than Empire Strikes Back because, obviously, with Carrie Fisher having died recently, well, at the end of 2016, um, her shots had all been finished. Um, so we know she's going to play a major role in this movie. And that's just going to add to the emotive narrative. And in the trailer, the, the part that actually hit me the hardest, I mean, there was a lot of awesome action shots and a lot of the story behind um, Luke Skywalker and then Rey and how she's being trained and all that kind of thing but for me the most one of the most emotive parts and one of the most important parts of the trailer was that scene where Kylo Ren was in his fighter and he flew kind of through that um, kind of the side the side um, ditch um, in the, in the one in the one rebel ship 
Um, and you could see that him and his mother kind of sense each other because obviously they have this connection within the force. That was kind of indicative of what I feel the whole movie is going to be, both on Luke and Ray's side and on um, on the Solo side where it's going to be obviously Han Solo being killed by Color in the previous movie. That narrative is going to be pulled forward. And I, I, I kind of feel like that's going to be the kind of the, the, the best part of The Last Jedi outside of all the beautiful explosions and the great scenery, it's going to be this emotive story. Thanks very much for joining us in this week's episode of Bandwidth Blog On Air. Be sure to come back next week for episode 94 of Bandwidth Blog On Air. You've been listening to Bandwidth Blog On Air, the weekly podcast of bandwidthblog.com.